The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome to The Christine Uptrich Show. You might be listening live on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area, sunny Seattle today. You might be listening live anywhere around the world on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You might be listening after the fact on one of the many places this ends up, dozens of podcasts and christineupchurch.com. But wherever and whenever, we're very grateful you joined us here today. And I think you will be too, because we've got a wonderful guest, somebody who's been on my must-have list for a very long time. Um, and I'd like to say to, hello to the man behind the, some of the technology today, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hey, Benny. Hey, Christine. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's a different kind of setup today. Instead of being in the studio yep. and you control all sorts of things, I've had to like get things set up here in a, a quiet corner of my house. I'm crossing my fingers. It's a quiet corner. <laughs> um, I've piled pillows against the door so that if my cats are scratching and meowing to get in, uh, our listeners won't hear too much. Of I, it. I feel like it might make that worse because then they're like, what's the matter with mom? Is she okay? We need well, to save know, her. <laughs> if it were just audio, I'd probably let them in, although there is always yeah. a risk of a cat fight nearby. Oh, that's true. But, um, you know, it's just like them to climb up onto the computer, <laughs> and I figured we'd lose our Zoom connection, and that would be that. Curious. Anyway. That's what they are all about. That's okay. That's why we love them. It is good yeah. to see your face regardless. I know mine um, is a little behind the scenes for today. No big deal. Yeah, but, and, I, and um, yeah. I miss being in the studio with you, you Benny. And, uh, you know, life's gotten to be very mm -hmm. strange right now, yep. and there are a lot of people who are, have been experiencing loss of one sort or another. Some have been experiencing the most significant loss you, you can imagine. Yeah. That is the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Some are losing their good health. But for many people, it's really just the, the loss of life as normal. I mean, some have been losing their jobs. Some have been losing their, their living situation. Some have been losing their offices for a little while. But for many, this sense of normalcy has gone. And our future is a little less certain than it felt like it was before. And our guest today, she experienced one loss after another, and she came to learn that there are great gifts in that. So I think we've got a very important topic today. And our guest today is Joffrey McClung. And I have to tell you, I met her in New York City, and I tell you, she was, um, I felt an instant connection with her. And we've got this Southern connection, this Texan connection, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, she's got a fascinating background. She's a former theater actress in New York City. She eventually went into film producing and acting. Um, her film won a, an award in France. Um, and then her mother got ill and she had to leave her beloved city of New York, her beloved career to take care of her mom. And then she experienced another loss, another loss, and we'll talk about that. And 
through her own process, she has developed great insight and wisdom about what's important in our lives. And I'm so excited about our guest today, Joffrey McClung. Hello, Joffrey. Hey, Christine, how are you? I'm so glad to be with you finally. You know, I am, I'm thrilled to have you here. And I know we've been talking about it for a while and we do, you know, a show every single week. And I think I've done probably 350 shows so far. Um, yeah, about that. yeah, you're up there, yeah. getting up yeah. there. And it's the sort of thing where I thought, well, you know, I've had Joffrey on. And then I realized it's because you and I were on a show together yes. a while back, Joffrey. And, and it's like, no, she hasn't been on the, on the Christine Hepcher show. She's got to be on it. And I love your latest books. Um, you know, Joffrey's an author of various books. And her latest one is How Learning to Say Goodbye Taught Me How to Live. And The Heart of the Matter is another one. So, Joffrey, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your series of losses and the impact it had on you? Because, you know, we can sugarcoat it at this point because you have grown so much and, and, and developed so much wisdom. But take us back to where you were like having one loss after another after another and trying to put some perspective into it. Oh, I can certainly talk about loss. That's for sure. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, actually, my first loss was a dark night of the soul. And that's when I was back in New York and I left my ex-partner, so to speak. He moved on and I moved on. And that was really my first loss that woke me up to the whole spiritual world. And that was in the early 80s, frankly. And that's when I started researching and reading every spiritual book possible, every personal growth book possible. I read everything I could get my hands on. And that really opened me up. And so then it, it began to change change and I began to realize we create our own reality through our belief system, our emotions. So that was great. That took me only so far though. <laughs> yeah, it took me Darn, so far. you mean the books aren't enough? <laughs> no, they're not. Unfortunately, I read every book possible. This book will change my life. Now they all together help change my life, but no, no one book's going to change your life. You're going to have to do the inner work. And that's what happened when my mother got sick. My mother got cancer. She lived alone. I was working in New York. I knew I could fly back and forth to the studio to do the producing I was doing. So I moved back to Texas to take care of her. And it was two years of, of really wonderfulness of being with her. Mm -hmm. And then she passed. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. uh, we were always very close. Uh, from childhood on, we were very close. And losing her, I'd already lost my father 10 years earlier. So I'd gone through that process. But I still had my mother, so I felt right. safe. Right. And then suddenly your mother's gone. So I don't care how old you are, you're an orphan. Right. 30, 40, 50, or 60. You're an orphan. And I was already doing my inner work to return to self-love, uh, but that really put me on the journey of realizing what's standing in my way. And it was the lack of self-love. Yeah. So when she passed, my meditations, of course, I was grieving her. So I was doing that in meditation, healing my wounds, looking at what I was angry at her about from my childhood. Really, it was all piled on top of each each layer was piled on top of each other. And, and Joffrey, I, I don't know about you, but when I lost my parents, one of the things I discovered is that when you lose a parent, you're not just, it's not just about the loss of who they are to you in that, at that stage of life. You have to process the loss from every stage, from, you know, various stages of childhood through adulthood. Did you find the same thing? Oh, I definitely had to do every loss. There was, in her older age, there was great 
love and wisdom. In her younger age, when there was drama in our family, I had to process that, let go of my anger at my mother. I don't mm -hmm. care who you are. You have anger when somebody dies because you have different feelings, at, like you said, at different times in your life with them. Yeah. The older mother who passed, I, we were very, very close. The younger mother, we were close, but there were issues. And so that anger came up and I had to process that anger. I processed that anger over and over again until finally I was drained of it. And I was able to forgive the past and move forward with the future, frankly. So Joffrey, I know that there are plenty of people out there who believe that you should just sort of transcend that anger and somehow just move beyond it. What's your perspective on that? I don't think you transcend it. I think you move into it. You move into the energy. You feel the energy and you look and say, why am I feeling that energy? At least that's how I did it. Everyone does it differently. But Christine, that's how I did it. I don't, I, to do anger, it took me a long time in my meditative work before my mother died to deal with my inner anger. That was an energy I didn't want to deal with because uh -huh. I had somebody in my family who lived in anger. My sister tended right. to live in anger. So I disowned my anger. I wasn't going to be angry. So it took me a while in my spiritual work to own my anger. So I was comfortable with anger. And I think people do not need to run from their darker emotions. There's great lessons in those darker emotions. Absolutely. So I moved into my anger. And I felt every ounce of it, frankly. So there you were. You had moved from New York. You'd spent all that time and, and based on, on what you've written, it sounds like it, there were some very challenging times and some very beautiful times with your mother as she was passing. And then did life get back to normal? No, it did not, Christine, at all. <laughs> no, I'm sitting there greeting my mother, doing my inner homework, grieving her and also moving to self-love. And then I lost my job in New York. It was actually mutual. I, I just couldn't get this house together to sell. I could barely move. I was doing so much inner work. So we basically left. I left my job. That broke my heart because now I wasn't going to go back to New York. My my city that I just loved from the time I was eight years old. I knew I was going to live in New York City. I had to grieve that. So I grieved my job that was in producing and television. So it's still in creative. I had to grieve losing New York City, which was another dream of mine. So I was dreaming. I was grieving all of that. And then I find out that my best friend, who's like my soul sister, has breast cancer. Oh, my goodness. Stage four in oh. the bone. I mean, um, I hit the ceiling on that one. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but one of the things that I found about loss is that it has a tendency to kind of make us look at how we define ourselves. Because we often define ourselves in terms of our job, where we live, our relationships. And when those things disappear, then it's often kind of like, who am I? Um, and we're going to go into the story about your best friend and her cancer and the beautiful way that you helped her go to the other side. But we're going to go to a quick break. Stay tuned for more with Joffrey McClung here in just a few moments. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. 
Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. And by the way, if you want to see the live video, you can go to Facebook and go to the Transformation Talk Radio page where they're airing this live. So you don't have to watch this, the, the 11.50 a.m. KKNW um, feed if you don't want. If you're already on Facebook, check it out. Joffrey, you had that, your, your best friend, you got the news that she was, not only, not only did she have cancer, but it was stage four breast cancer. Had she had cancer before? Yes, she had. She had cancer and she removed uh, one breast. Uh, she didn't have insurance at the time in California, so she didn't do any follow-up, but I'm not saying that's the cause of it. She had that particular gene, uh -huh. the breast cancer gene, so I think she was sort of destined in a sense. But it had moved to the bone because she kept oh, having yeah. backaches and complaining, and I said, you got to go to the doctor. Well, they're going to want to do back surgery. I said, well, you got to find out what the pain is, and mm -hmm. it, was, it was the bone cancer. I mean, the breast cancer in the bone. Oh. It just breaks my heart when I think Which about it. 
painful from what I understand. It was, yes, it was very painful. And she didn't do any chemo because her, her doctors wanted her to, but she refused. Uh -huh. And she lived five years, which wow. really is two years with chemo. So maybe she did the right thing by not doing chemo, but it was extremely painful. I mean, she was bones when I oh. saw her. She, uh, she lived with it for five years. Good Lord. I, I don't know if I could do five years of that kind of pain. Mm -hmm. So you had helped your mother through the last couple of years of her life and, and processed a lot about losing her. How did helping your friend and losing her transform you even further? Well, the thing with my friend is she started the spiritual journey the same time I did back in the early 80s. She lived in New York as well. And she was an actress and we went to UT, University of Texas together. Uh -huh. So we were very, very close friends. So we'd already been doing our inner work, our inner meditation. So, well, maybe you want to look here to change this. Maybe you want to go in here and heal that. Whatever it was we were working on, we shared everything. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we were going to continue doing our homework. Uh, she was going to, she decided she was going to heal uh -huh. herself. I said, okay, that's what your decision is. We'll go that route. And mm -hmm. I was going to continue doing my self-love work. So I kept doing my inner work and I began to notice the changes in me and I used what Robin was telling me about her life saying, okay, where do I have that in myself? So I began mm -hmm. to make changes and I began to see what she wasn't doing and what I was doing and what was working for me. So in a weird way, it was a good mirror for me uh -huh. uh, to see what was working in my life and what wasn't working in her life. Um, and I was also determined to heal my past, to heal my childhood wounds, to really love myself, not just kind of like myself, kind of sometimes if I'm mm -hmm. in the mood, but to really fall back in love with myself. So I was determined to heal my wounds. So I really used that time to go in there and heal those childhood wounds while she was trying to heal what was keeping her from loving herself. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who think that self-love, they equate self-love with self-care, such as, you know, giving yourself the time and space to have a candlelit bath or go walk in nature. How do you define self-love? Well, I think those are wonderful things to do, but that's not really what I call self-love. That's self-care. And sometimes you can have self-care without having self-love. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go and treat myself well. I'm going to give myself a spa day. But you're still lacking in self-love. Self-love to me, and this is something I've just, it was my journey, because uh, I did this self-care all the time. I love to take care of myself. I had no problem with that. Right. But I had some other issues in other areas of self-love issues. The way I define self-love is that it's, it's a knowing in your heart that your core being, not necessarily your personality, because your personality gets formed through life and you make changes, you make decisions, you make negative beliefs to keep yourself safe. But your core being, who you came in here as, is lovable, loving, and loved. And lovable means you are worthy of love, not for what you do, not for mm. what you're going to do, but because you are you, that you are loving, that you have this natural benevolence in your heart waiting to be expressed as you which again can be done through relationships, can also be done through creativity or artistry oh, or whatever yeah. else you're doing. Because mine was through my acting. That's how I expressed my loving heart. And that you're loved. You are valued and you matter to the universe because you exist. Now, I had some areas I wasn't so good in that area, frankly, Christine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but and, I did do self there. <laughs> I think that oftentimes we're really good at the loving part or, you know, at least intermittently, we're good at the loving part. And 
Well, you know, sometimes we will receive love, but being lovable, I think for many of us, that's the most difficult thing to accept. What's your perspective on that? Oh, I think that's definitely a, a tough one to, to accept. Uh, to know that you're worthy of love simply because you exist and you're here and you're here for a reason, all of those good things. That's a tough one because we think we got to earn it. We got to mm -hmm. prove we're lovable. We got to get somebody to love us first sure. and then we're lovable. And then if that person leaves us, which is what my dark night of the soul was about the first one, suddenly right. we're not so lovable. Why well, I got to get somebody else to love me. You got to realize you're lovable, whether you live alone on top of a mountain and you're never going to see another human being again, you are still lovable. Yeah. That's And as far as loving, I would like to say one thing about loving. We can be loving, but it's also connected to that feeling that we're good enough in our loving because I think a lot of people don't feel like they're good enough in their loving. Otherwise that person wouldn't be so mad at them or so angry at them. Okay. That's one I had a little issues with because okay. I had anger so you, in my you, you question your, your ability to love well mm -hmm. when others are not happy with you, whether it's something you tr you truly did or if it's their own stuff and oftentimes in relationships we just trigger somebody else's stuff and so if we question are we very good at loving just because their their stuff's triggered then it kind of messes with us doesn't it oh it messes with you big time let me tell you uh because again i had anger in my childhood so that feeling that my loving could harm people make them so angry at me so hateful towards me i must have been made wrong which also had to do with my feelings not mattering or being valuable to the universe or worthy all those three things sort of play together in a sense uh -huh. so my worthiness because I, I i created somebody who hated me so i was not obviously not worthy of love i didn't love well enough because i made people so angry uh -huh. <laughs> and then on my battery to matter well god kind of forgot me and gave me this situation so obviously i don't matter so all those sort of played together for me so that's a really interesting point that you said, um, because of the situation that you're presented with, you translated that into you, that, that, that God didn't love you or you'd done something wrong or that you weren't loved. Um, how is it that our negative situations or situations that don't make us happy are really a gift? Oh, they are a big gift, even though you don't want them, <laughs> frankly, you want to run from them. But I, because I set up my life the way I set it up before I came here, I came into a family that did have some jealousy and anger issues coming from a sister. And there's only four of us, my mother and my father and my sister and I, and she was angry the moment I was born. So I had that in my face from the moment I was born that I should not be here. I'm wrong. Uh -huh. Something's wrong with me. I caused her to be angry and jealousy. Now I look at it now that I've done all the homework on it and actually forgiven her, her abuse mm -hmm. to my mother and to myself. Um, I actually, my sister just passed a, a month ago. Oh, sorry. And, well, thank you very much. But I'm so glad I did this work before she passed because I was able to spend the last year with her, which I would not have done because I was still so afraid of her and so angry at her, her abuse of me and her really taking my self-love away at such an early age. Yeah. I would not have spent that time with her. Uh, but because I was able to find my power back from the anger that she was doing and forgive her, I was able to be with her that last year. Mm. And, and I'm very grateful I was, frankly. How did that change her life in that last year? 
I have to be honest with you. I, I, I think it changed her life in the sense that I was there for her. I made her meals, meals from our childhood so that she remember those meals that we had when we were younger. Uh -huh. uh, I brought her tons of little treats and little cakes that she liked. I think she got to see that I was not this evil being that was taking mother's love away from her, yeah. that I was a person. As far as her own inner work, I don't think she did her inner work in this lifetime, to be honest with you. Right. Um, but that's okay. She'll, she'll get many lifetimes to heal it. But yeah. I think she at least got to see that I was not as big as, as big of a threat to her as she had seen me as. Yeah. But so I she treated you badly because of her own woundedness and, and you had evolved enough to not only identify it because sometimes we're really aware of the reason that people are misbehaving but we take it personally so it sounds to me like you had transcended that um you know personalization of it and instead understood it was her stuff and that you were whole whether or not she treated you well that's definitely true. I, I think the trick for me was under. See, I did find. I, I kind of knew something was wrong from childhood, telling my parents she needs help. So I intellectually knew something was wrong with her. Wow. And, I, and I was like six or seven when I told my parents she needs help. We got to stop this stuff. She's being mean. She's hit me. And uh, I always knew that something was off in her in that sense of her anger. And because she'd go from zero to 100 in, in five seconds. So I knew something was off on her. But when you hear every day that you're wrong, you're evil, you're disgusting, you're, you're going to live in the gutter. I mean, anything she could come up. She was good at hitting below the belt, whether it was my mother or myself. My father, she tried it. My father just left the room, said, I'm not playing this. Uh -huh. But with me, my mother and I, she would hit below the belt. You do that every day. It does take a bit of your self-love away. And that's yeah. okay. That's what I came to learn this life, that I can find my way back to self-love. Yeah. So I had to have somebody take it away. And she did a very good job of taking it away from me, frankly. Yeah. And one of the things I love about your story and your workbook is that you understand that there's a lot of work involved, getting down and dirty into the nitty gritty of the issues and, um, I know you've got several steps for to help people deal with their own lives and to come to self-love. Uh, we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. Stay tuned for more with Joffrey McClung here in just a few moments. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session, Genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. Balance can be restored and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. 
anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. (laughs) The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show uh, here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I have guest Joffrey McClung here today. She's the author of several books, um, an actress, a film producer, and a spiritual teacher. Uh, Joffrey, I know that the first book you wrote, uh, and I don't remember the, the, the title of it, but it was the story of you letting go of your best friend and, and, you know, those last couple of years and, and all the transformation you went through. And then it seems like you took a step back and said, wait a minute, you know, people may be able to read this and, and get how I transformed my life and how I came to self-love, but there are going to be plenty of people who need some teaching points. So um, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what some of those teaching points are and how each of us can come deeper and deeper into self-love. Oh, certainly. Well, I tell you, the first book was written and it was sort of the cliff notes of how to stay awake during loss. And then I realized, wait a minute, I didn't tell people how to get to self-love to begin with. So Mm -hmm. I wrote the second book because I would already done the first book, already put myself out there and told my spiritual side, which I'd kept fairly privately from my producing side, frankly, in New York, Uh and thought that, well, I'm out of the closet. I might as well go all the way. So I wrote the second book, really highlighting how I did it. Everyone's going to do it differently. I mean, if I had my way, I would have gone to a therapist and talked some of this stuff out. But instead, I read the spiritual books and the personal growth books. So once I, I, I 
realize, okay, I did this myself. I need to share this with people. The main thing I wanted people to realize is they really do have everything they need inside of them to do this inner work. You don't need to have tons of money. You don't need to go there. If you can go to a therapist, go to a therapist by all means go. Yeah. And I I suggest going to a therapist who is very open to that spiritual side as well. Um, Because sometimes as we go through the transformation, um, being able to connect the the psychological and spiritual aspects of our journeys into an integrative approach is really helpful. Oh, I think it's definitely the only reason I didn't I didn't do it because I didn't really have a therapist to go to down here. And on top of it, I had my best friend who we sort of acted as each other's therapist. Well, I would look here if I were you. So I, in a way, I did have a therapist. It was just my inner therapist. So right. I want everyone to know they can do this inner work. You do have the tools. You can meditate. You can find your emotional body. You can connect with your higher self. And once you have those three tools that we all have down here, then you can go and look at your past wounds. Because I think so many of us are walking around reacting to the world from our past wounds versus so healing. Can give us an example? Well, for instance, if you're walking around and, and you tend to be quick to, to respond to somebody who, who says you're wrong, you're wrong about something, perhaps your boss uh-huh. says you're wrong, and you're quick to defend yourself, to put uh-huh. your fist up and say, no, I am right. Well, you're coming from usually a past wound because otherwise you say, well, why? Tell me, uh-huh. you know, what do you mean? Maybe we can talk about this. You'd be much more open to hear somebody's opinion because that's uh-huh. all it really is an opinion. But if your fists are up ready to fight, most likely you have a past wound that needs to be healed. Mm-hmm. My past wounds went from five to six to my teenage years. Even my teenage years, I created some negative beliefs about the world and myself. Uh-huh. So I checked my past wounds and I realized I needed to quit being so afraid of people who were angry. Because oh, yeah. Some people who were so angry, I do not respond to people who are angry all the time. And I kept drawing angry people into my life. And I thought, why do I keep, that happens? Why do I keep drawing these angry people? Because I needed to heal my fear and take my power back from angry people. Uh-huh. So I was able to do that inner work and realize people, you can do this, and it's done in layers. Uh-huh. I would heal something, I would live my life, and I realized, hey, I feel good. And then I'd hit another level, sort of what I call that wall again, and say, oh, I've got uh-huh. something that's resistance here. Let me go back in. And uh-huh. I hit a new level of anger or rage or hurt or fear that needed to be dealt with. Uh-huh. And the good thing about your wounds, at least what I found, your your past wounds is once you heal your past wounds, you don't have to do it again. Right. Now, does it mean yeah. you don't have knee jerk reactions? I still have knee jerks to anger, but they're little knee jerks. They're not my fist. Yeah. Up. They're just and, and one of the one of the things I've noticed is that um, although sometimes the reactions are there, I've also got this observer, you know, who, mm-hmm. that is looking above and saying, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, this is what's getting triggered. Oh, yeah, that's old. And there, there's there's the reaction without so much attachment, emotional attachment to it. Oh, definitely, definitely. And that observer is really key. You got to have that observing mind so you can observe what is happening in meditation, what you're feeling, so you can observe it and heal it by talking to yourself, dialoguing with yourself. So in a weird way, you're playing all the roles of the play. Again, uh-huh. I sort of love that. So you're playing, you're the writer, you're the director, and you're playing all the roles. And so you're healing some roles and you're, bun- you're, bun- you're lifting some roles to become leaders that have been pushed to the side. Uh-huh. I had to bring up that positive inner voice that had been pushed aside by the critical inner voice. There's right. so many things you can do. Um, 
well, you know, you're a therapist, so you know exactly what I'm talking. No, I'm, I'm not a therapist. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a healer. I do. You know, oh, self- okay. Well, you know, you've got that. I've spent, I've spent a long time in therapy. Okay. So. Well, you've got that therapist feeling about you. So <laughs> so Thank so- you. That's quite the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, quite fascinating. The other thing I learned by, by writing the book and really writing the book to show myself what I had done uh-huh. is to realize that you can find that forgiveness for other people. Now, forgiveness is tricky. People go, I, I let it go. Well, that's right. different than forgiving somebody. Letting it go is, I think, putting it on a shelf where it will raise its ugly head at some point. Interesting. So, so how do you go about actually, you know, getting beyond letting it go and putting it up on that shelf and truly forgiving somebody? Well, the only way it worked for me, again, this is how I did it. It's not the only way, but how I did it was by owning my past behaviors from the lack of self-love, uh-huh. the times I was a bully to a friend or to a, you know, wherever I was, the time I was a bully, the time I was judgmental, the time I needed to be right. I looked at my past behaviors and I was able to find forgiveness for myself because I realized I was so lacking in self-love. How could I have responded any differently? When I realized that, I did the same thing for the people who had harmed me. My sister, she was so hateful and so abusive, but I thought, well, what must she be feeling inside of herself to be so hateful towards me? Because I was hateful towards somebody because I was lacking in self-love, not feeling worthy or lovable or loved. What must she feel? So you end up having compassionate understanding for them. I still have boundaries. I still had my boundaries, so she couldn't, you know, cross those boundaries, but I was able to have compassionate understanding. And that took me some time to figure out. And for me, you know, one of my shadow sides has been the need to be right. And I've come to recognize that um, because of some dysfunction in my family when I was growing up, I was striving to be perfect. And that if I were wrong, somehow I wasn't perfect. And so it's helped me clear some, it's not always gone, but it's interesting to me because when I see that same thing in somebody else, I understand that it's an attachment based on a fear, based on a wound. And it doesn't mean that it's not, you know, always frustrating dealing with somebody who's a know-it-all when it's like, you want to present them with the facts, like, wait a minute, what about this? And they're just so (laughs) sure, you know, but um, it's, it does help to understand my own issues when interacting with others. Oh, that That is really what I learned is that what I know about myself, I can use on other people. Yeah. That's yeah. why I say when I, these people used to say, well, self-love is selfish. And I said, no, no, no. Self-love is understanding yourself that, so that you can be compassionate with yourself so that you can be compassionate with other people, more right. kind with other people, more accepting of other people. But you really can't do that if you're not doing it with yourself. You're sort yeah, of- that compassion piece. It's like, I think that- Self-love, I think for many, this is just acceptance, right? They, they, but they can't go to the compassion part of it. Why is it important to get to that level of compassion towards ourselves? Well, I think compassion comes from a deep, deep place in the heart. It's not just on the surface, but it's a deep level in the heart. And I think that compassion makes you wrap your arms around yourself in a sense and say, I hear you and I'm sorry you went through this and I I feel for you. And I know why you did behave badly or why you needed to be right or why you needed to be a bully. I get it. And you hug yourself. That compassion 
opens your heart to receive more love from the universe in a sense. Mm -hmm. And when you're compassionate with yourself, really compassionate with yourself, because I had to be compassionate the times I realized I was a bully to people. Mm -hmm. And I realized why I was a bully. I was able to do the same thing with other people. I still have boundaries, <laughs> right. but I was able to offer that compassion to other people. Doesn't mean I want to hang out with everybody I meet. Sure. We have our likes and dislikes, but I can still have compassion for their so behavior. You, you've said the B word twice, boundaries. Why are boundaries important for us as we do our inner work and as we move forward through self-love? I think boundaries are vital. I actually had boundaries as a small person because I used to tell my parents, There's, we have issues we need to deal with here. Sure. So I already had boundaries, but those boundaries kept getting overrun by the adults or my sister. People who were yeah. older than me, kept overrunning my boundaries. If there was a tantrum that went on for an hour, uh, then suddenly I was not, the door would be knocked and we were supposed to play cards now because my sister had vented all her anger. Well, I didn't want to play cards. Then she had just written my guts out. Why would I want to right. play cards with her? I had boundaries, but they kept getting overrun. Mm -hmm. So once my mother left, that was one of the gifts I gave back to myself because I kept letting my mother make the decisions in the family. All right, we'll let my sister come over. I was able to put my boundaries back into place. I think uh -huh. boundaries are vital. And I think women especially we're people pleasers we're told to be people pleasers which is just really another safety net to protect yourself uh -huh. we need our boundaries and i think about um even something as basic as girls being told to smile more or to kiss their uncle when he walks to the door even though they don't want to that 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 pressure to be nice has us automatically trained to you know let go of our boundaries at least to a certain degree I think that need to be nice needs to be thrown out. I think we need to be kind. We need to be generous. But we I don't like that distinction. Nice. Tell me more about the kindness versus being nice. Being nice is kissing the uncle when he walks through the door and you don't want to kiss that uncle. Uh -huh. being, being nice is smiling even though you're in a bad mood that day. You don't feel like friggin' smiling that moment. Right. Being nice is about, you know, being uh, putting your arms around people and, and just doing all those things that you're told you're supposed to do because you're the girl. Right. Being kind is, first of all, kindness starts with being kind with yourself. Uh -huh. So everything starts with the self. That's the thing I learned in self-love. When you're kind with yourself, it's much easier to be kind to others. Kind is saying, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to disagree with you. Uh -huh. yeah. Being nice is, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Because uh -huh. I don't want to cause anything to ruffle here. That's yeah, being I love that distinction. That's great. But being kind is saying, I hear you, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> we have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more here in just a few moments. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 
or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago when facing cancer, without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt, than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back. Joffrey, before we go any further, I want to make sure our listeners know how they can connect with you and um, you know what's, what's going on in, in your professional world. Well, I, let me mention my website. Let me get that out there. It's uh, joffreymcclung.com, but the easiest way to get to it is it's allaboutselflove.com, I-T-S, okay. allaboutselflove, that's one word, dot com. Okay. And Joffrey McClung is J-O-F-F-R-E-M-C-C-L-U-N-G.com. Exactly. And you can read my blogs. I do one-minute videos. Uh, what you're going to hit while you're doing self-love work. I do some blog writing. I just put a meditation up there today, uh, a quick 15 minute to create your safe, loving space so you can lift your spirit during this crisis period. So uh, it's something to check out the blog. You know, it's just a little small blog, but it's, it's doing its thing. So given that our world has become less certain than we thought it used to be, you know, we had this belief that, you know, it was easy to stay healthy and that uh, for many people that they had jobs they didn't need to worry about and finances were tight, but they could still survive or that they really didn't need that, that health care, you know, and so they didn't pay for the insurance, you know, whatever it is, things have been turned upside down in many ways. Why is it that now in particular is it a very important time for self-love? Well, I think self-love tends to happen to people when things are at their lowest. Mm -hmm. I would not have looked for my self-love unless I'd hit 
a dark night of the soul, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, I had two dark nights, the first one in New York and the one after my mother passed. Mm -hmm. We don't tend to look to change our lives until our lives aren't working. So mm -hmm. in a way, even though everything's at a loss and everything, we're all panicked and wondering what's happening. It's actually a good time to look inward and say, okay, what's not working for me inwardly? What do mm -hmm. I need to change inwardly? We don't change things when things are going smoothly. We just don't. So in a weird way, it could be a gift from the universe to bump up our sense of self-love. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are some other important messages from the universe um, with this COVID-19 situation? Well, I think there's several things that we've been hitting the last couple of years, frankly. I think the sense of integrity Mm -hmm. that we've let things and I think we're all guilty of it let things go on well that's just politicians they they, they tell tales that's what they do yeah. well why is that okay that's really not okay mm -hmm. I think integrity is important and you cannot expect your politicians to have integrity and honesty which is sort of cousins of each other if mm -hmm. you're not practicing integrity and honesty with yourself and with people in your life so right. in a weird way the universe is saying okay you guys are leaping to a new level here's what you need to change in order to leap further you've got yeah. to have more integrity you've got to be honest and i also think there's this, the aspect of boundaries that you were talking about before i think about the the relationship between um say narcissists and empaths mm -hmm. where there's like this symbiotic toxic dysfunction um and it's like when you're dealing with a narcissist they do a lot of gaslighting you question yourself you think oh i'm wrong or i just need to like work around the situation so that i get what i need and you end up questioning yourself and putting yourself down and feeling a sense of futility and so i think that there's there's that shadow side too of how we enable that kind of dysfunction, the, the narcissism, the lack of integrity. And we need to question how we can take action and deal with our own shadow side of the enabling in order to shift things in our world. You said that absolutely beautifully, I must say. Uh, that narcissism, again, I experienced that within my family. It can be very brutal because it makes you think you're doing something wrong. It's your fault. Uh, and we do enable it. And I think part of that is our safety net of needing to be right. My side's right, therefore your side's wrong. The tribal mentality that we've moved into. Yes, yes. All of that. Coming, coming from that sense of, I need to be right. I need to be in control. And it doesn't matter if I'm lying about it. Mm. I can still lie about it. And I can still do it. I can still enable this narcissist, narcissistic mm -hmm. behavior to go forward as long as I'm right. Our team's right. Mm. Well, eventually this, this coronavirus has shown us, it doesn't matter what side you're on. It will come for everyone. Right. It will pass us by through all of us. So in a weird way, sort of a gift saying, okay, we've all had our little tribal sides. Now we're all in this together. Yeah, great point. So great it may, it, I, I do believe everything, just like we were talking about our childhood and our wounds, it's really to help us to grow and to expand our sense of love. I think even our outside world or what's happening in politics and the in social world really is a chance for us to grow even further. It may look ugly to begin with, and yeah. it's kind of yeah. ugly, but it's it helps us grow further. And I think that um, for those of us who have control issues, it really triggers us. And, and it's the sort of thing where, um, first of all, although we do have a lot of control over our health, we don't have complete control. Um, yeah. Although we think we have freedom and control over our lives, there are many ways we don't. 
And so we're going to have to let go and allow and observe and navigate these somewhat troubled waters in a way that we're not used to navigating. Oh, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I, I have realized, okay, everything changed in my life. I'm suddenly sitting at home. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not doing certain things. Uh-huh. And we're being told we don't know how long this is going to last. Right. That's unnerving. Just told we won't know how long this will last. The good news is, okay, you're home. What are you going to do? Uh-huh. Are you going to use it to continue to grow? Are you going to look inward? Are you going to make changes? Are you going to read books? Can listen to tapes? Whatever you need to do, it's a uh-huh. good chance to do some inner growth. So we can have those boundaries. We don't sure. need to enable our narcissistic. We don't need to be right to make everybody else wrong. Right. And we can grow in our sense of integrity and honesty. And when we do that, we'll have politics that are based on honesty and integrity. We yes. won't have narcissistic tendencies. We, right. Our boundaries will be in place. We don't need to be nice. We can be kind. Yeah. All those things will begin to happen. And I think that there's an important piece of it that it's just like dealing with our shadow side. The fear, in a sense, is one of our shadows that um, occasionally will rear its ugly head in huge ways. And it's an opportunity to be sensible, be concerned, um, to set in, you know, whatever physical boundaries and other kinds of boundaries that are important, but not to get totally sucked into that, that fear that's just like that snowball that's rolling down the hill, getting bigger and bigger. I have to say, I, I've noticed the fear level has risen a bit. Um, I'm dealing with it. I'm doing my meditation. I lift it up and out because mine was dealing with money. Because oh, yeah. I was given some money and suddenly that money is half what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two weeks. I'm like, wait a minute, I needed that money to survive. Uh-huh. So I can start to get a little wiggy. Well, I stopped getting wiggy and I say, no, I have faith. I've been here before. I've been where I've had nothing and gotten uh-huh. something. I've been here yeah. before. I will be safe. I do what I can. And then you just have to have faith. Yeah. And on that great note, having faith, um, I want to close out the show uh, joffreymcclung.com and what's the other way to get to the website it's all about selflove.com and i am rewriting the second book the heart of the matter it will have much more of my personal story in it very soon and it's great and they're how to's i want to thank you for joining us here today uh, i want to thank benny uh, i want to thank the staff at ttr i also want to thank kyle for all that they do to put the show together and i want to thank you the listener the viewer for showing up here today And I invite you to show up in your own life. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.